0: series, hopefully. I started a series before and then the coronavirus hit and God had me go in a different direction. And so I need to try to stay behind this pulpit this morning, right? I need to try to stay behind, which is hard for me because I usually wander all over the place. But um, I just, I'm challenged in my own thinking to think more like a Hebrew, and that's what I want to be talking about. We can learn so much from the scriptures about how to think biblically. You could say think Hebrew because there is a kind of a, a way of thinking Hebrew. It doesn't mean you have to be Jewish to think this way. But it, it's something that is going to be really important for us, I believe, in these upcoming days. And I'm going to put somebody on the spot. I'm going to invite um, Aaron. I know you're back there and you're doing some things, but um, what does it mean in your, if you would come on up here if you got a second. In your opinion, when I say to think like a Hebrew, and I know you love to study the Torah and the, the Tanakh, what does that mean to you to think like a, a Hebrew?
1: It's a convoluted question. I don't even know how to answer that. Well, um, Facebook I would say, the yeah, that I, I, I think you could come at that question a few different ways. Um, if we remove it, the contextual view of of allowing Scripture to be within its culture, then we lose. 70% of the meaning of what it's trying to tell us. It has to have the cultural background. Um, and I think thinking like a Hebrew has to start with the culture. Yeah. Um, but then also looking at the language, I mean looking at the, the, the English side, we have it, you have to have a page of words to describe what shalom means to be able to describe that in a, a compact way to translate it for us, we're losing a lot of meaning. So trying to put it back into the Hebrew language context, I think it's just super valuable. Um, so those would maybe, probably be my top two.
0: You know, many of us don't even realize this, is that you look at your Bible and it's broken up into books, chapters, and verses, and yet, when we read the Torah, it's not broken up that way. And so, it was read as a whole. Or even, you know, I like to, you know, I love the book of Romans. And when Paul wrote that, he wrote it as a letter. And so, if you take one scripture or one passage, it could be very powerful. But sometimes you miss the context of what, it's, what Paul is bringing. And so, this is what... Our heart is, and what my heart is over the next weeks and months is, is that we begin to look at Scripture through the eyes of the ancients, through the Hebrews, and, and the word that was given to them at that time in their language. It doesn't mean you have to learn Hebrew, although it probably wouldn't hurt since we're going to be speaking that for eternity. You might as well start now. But I just, in, as an introduction, we are born onto a battlefield. Duh, we all know that. Some of us don't know that. And, you know, I just, I was thinking about this this week is, is um, years ago, back in the 1980s, even before we went into the, to the ministry, Millie and I, um, she was at a meeting, a Women's Aglow meeting, and a lady had a, had a prophetic word over Millie and me, I wasn't there, but it was over the both of us, and she saw two ships, and which is interesting because I love the nautical theme. I'm a, I'm a, I grew up by the ocean, not too far from the ocean. Love the ocean. Joined the navy. Love being ships. Even today, when I see a ship, it's just like, oh, that's a beautiful ship. But um, she saw in this vision two ships. There was one ship which is a party ship, a cruise ship. Now, those of you who know us, we, you know, we love going on cruises, okay? But that's that's for our vacation. But there was two ships. There was the party ship, the cruise ship, and and there was a bunch of Christians going on this cruise ship, party ship, and all happy and wearing their best, and there was, the music was coming. And then there was another ship, and it was a battleship. It was a it was a ship that was haze gray and if you know what haze gray that's the ship that's the color of the navy ships and it was beaten up it was rusted but it had been it looked like it had been through a battle and Millie and I were getting on that ship and I thought well this is interesting but instead of bringing fear i thought you know what it's kind of a reminder that we are in that battle you know and yes yeah, some are out there it's a party time it hasn't been a party time in the last eight weeks or so. But it's been, you know, a lot of people think, oh, coming into this relationship with the Lord, it's all going to be good. It's all going to be fun. It's all going to be this. It's all going to be that. But we need to have the understanding that we are born onto a battlefield. But we, know, we don't have a need to be caught up in fear, anxiety, or lack. And if you look at the scriptures from Abraham all the way through Yeshua and the apostles, they had a worldview that this is not our home. This place called planet Earth, in this context, is not our home, okay? In other words, this world system is not a place that we are necessarily to become comfortable with. We were sojourners. They were sojourners on foreign soil. They had a mindset. Their focus was on another kingdom. As a matter of fact, it says in Hebrews, it talks about in the Hebrews chapter 11, the Hebrews, the, the hall of fame of faith. It says, the world was not worthy of them. See, they had a whole different worldview. And we're grafted into this, and this is what we need to understand, is we are grafted into God's covenant plan with Abraham through Yeshua. And so we need to think like they did in order to really understand what God is saying to us in these days. You see, as as Aaron mentioned, the original scripture was given in Hebrew, and it was a language given by God to a specific people to communicate his culture and his thinking to a specific people at a specific time. It's interesting, I was looking this up. In the Hebrew language, the ancient Hebrew language, approximately 45,000 words. You say, well, that's a lot of words, but... The English language, 170,000 words. A whole lot more words in the English language than there was in the Hebrew language. But faith is requ- required to think like God. Faith is required to think like God and appropriate His blessings. Think about Abraham. Abraham's worldview before chapter 12 was a pagan many gods. And so God calls him. He says, get going. That's the word I have in my Bible. Get going out of your family, from your family, into a place I'm gonna, you've never been to before. That required faith on the part of Abraham. Wow, this is what I've gotten used to. My family, my everything, my language, my everything. was This was what I was, faith, what I was used to. Required faith. Faith was required to do and is required to do what the Word and what the Spirit tells us to do. Faith is required in every aspect of our living. Faith has to be intentional and active. I have to choose to do what God says. I have to choose to do what the Word says. It's not an automatic. It's not this transplant that takes place at being born again that God automatically says, okay, for now on, you're going to do this. No, we have to be intentional and active in taking on his ways. It's not automatic. You see, there's an exchange. We have to exchange one mindset for another. And you know that most of our world view is established by the time we're 10 years old. We already have a gauge to view everything with based on our family, based on where we come from, Based on the culture around us, and so we're pretty well set in our worldview by the time we're six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And sometimes that worldview is in total opposition to the way that God wants us to live. And so we have to—it's—it's it's a struggle to get from one worldview to another worldview. Faith is required also to worship Him and to stay in a place of his presence no matter what is going on. That requires faith. When we're in the midst of a pandemic, when we're in the midst of a financial crisis or a family tragedy, can I still offer praise and worship from a pure heart in that place? You see, that requires faith, and that also requires a whole new paradigm shift in how I think about things, a worldview. But if you look at the scriptures, Job, look what he went through. Peter, John, Shaul, all of them, they were in the midst of, you look at their lives. They didn't get on that party ship, folks. They didn't get on that party ship at all. So they had to go through prisons and losing things, losing, you know, and they had to have a worldview that was different than what they had before. This quote by Chuck Pierce This is a war for peace, for shalom. Victory in this war stems from the Lord having full control over our minds. To overcome doubt and unbelief, um, and that's what we need to do because a lot of our worldviews are based in doubt and unbelief. Hello, that's me. My worldview was, okay, something good just happened, but you know what, the other shoe's going to drop right away. Anybody else identify with that? Nobody here. Maybe somebody is watching you. I don't know. <laughs> but there are three mindsets that I want to just talk about today, and we're going to be talking about them. Three mindsets that we see in the scriptures. Romans chapter 1, verse 14. Romans 1, verse 14. I have an obligation. This is Paul writing. I have an obligation to both Greeks and barbarians, to both the wise and the foolish. So I'm eager to proclaim the, the good news also, to you who are in Rome. Shaul understand that people who are going to be hearing his message were coming from different mindsets. He mentions two there the barbarians. Now, we have a view of what a barbarian is, it's a brute. A barbarian is this, this uncivilized, uncouth brute, right? But that's not necessarily what was meant in the scriptures. A barbarian actually was a non-Greek-speaking uh, citizen of the Roman Empire. In other words, the Greek language was prevalent in the Roman Empire at that time, but barbarians didn't speak the Greek language, but they were part of the empire. And so they were considered barbarians. And they were usually pagans. They usually weren't worshiping the one God. They had many gods and things like that. And then he mentions the Greek mindset. I'm going to just talk briefly about those mindsets today. What is a mindset? A mindset is a habitual mental attitude that determines how we interpret and respond to situations. It's learned, it's learned, it's a fixed frame of reference. In other words it's that grid that we see everything through whatever happens around us we have a grit that's like I said probably been set by the time I'm 10 years old that that's how I'm going to react to that anybody see a problem in that mindset is a set of assumptions and methods so firmly established that it creates powerful incentive to behave a certain way like I said, it's learned often times when we were children, you know. I heard the story many years ago, and you've, you've heard this too. The little girl goes out, and, and she's never seen a dog before. She goes up to that dog, reaches out her hand. The dog bites the, her hand. She runs home, and, and Mama says, don't ever go up to a dog again. Matter of fact, dogs are bad. Stay away from dogs. So that child, the next dog she sees... She's afraid of them already. Okay, and it might be little Walter, you know, little 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 Walter. But she's afraid of them because a mindset is already, she associates that thing with fear, with consequences. So that's what I mean by a mindset. That's a that's a simple example of what a mindset is. Well, let's look at the barbarian mindset throughout the scriptures. First of all, the operating principle of that mindset barbarian is fear. Fear is is one of the most powerful emotions. So it's, it's a mindset that is based on fear, terror, absolute control, tyranny. And we could see in the scriptures examples of that in Egypt and Babylon. There was a supreme ruler. He basically made the rules, made the law. You disobey, you're dead. Simple as that. No dissent. Might is right. Whose favorite tool of mind, whose favorite mindset do you think that would be? In this, You know, you think about Satan. He loves that because he operates through fear. We see this in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, to slaughter, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly, So it's an opposite mindset than what Yeshua wants us to walk in. And yet so many of us, even today, we have this mindset that is rooted in fear. It's a mindset waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's a mindset that's just waiting for that bad thing to happen. There's not a whole lot of joy in that. Brute force where strength is power. Interesting thing in this mindset, we cannot walk in fear and faith at the same time. You cannot walk in fear and have faith at the same time. You see, faith always has a component of hope. Fear steals that hope. And if we're living in a mindset of terror and fear, where's faith in that? Where's hope in that? Another mindset that was mentioned is the Greek mindset. We're more familiar with that. We've heard about that Greek thinking. You think like a Hebrew, you think like a Greek. Now I'm just going to kind of give an overview of that, and that's basically instead of focusing on fear, it's more of a focus on man. It's a worship, in a sense, it's a worship of man. It's power in self to make the perfect world. We can make a perfect world, guys. All we got to do is just come together, come up with the solutions to the world's problems. How's that worked out, huh? And in this Greek mindset, knowledge is power. Knowledge is, is the most important thing to, to get, knowledge. Knowledge is power... Utopia comes when people rule themselves. As a matter of fact, out of Greece came democracy. And we think, well, democracy is a good thing. And it is a good thing. And yet, but if it's democracy, pure democracy in itself is we can rule ourselves. And you take it to the extreme. We don't need God. We can just do it ourselves. Utopia is a man-made solution to saying we can make things perfect without God, without an absolute deity. In Greek thinking, if you understand how something occurs, you can control the outcome. So the goal is to understand. Science is good, okay, to understand how things work to control an outcome. Pride is filtered through a humanistic intellect. In other words, if I know how things work and I can determine solutions, guess what that can ultimately lead to is I become my own God. Pride that filters through a humanistic intellect. The thing with that, if you're steeped in Greek thinking, you cannot accept the incomprehensible. We reject miracles and the supernatural. It's why like, you know... You, we read the scriptures and we read what God did. We read the power of what God did in the, for the people of Israel. He parted the Red Sea. But somebody who's steeped in Greek thinking says, well, what really happened was there was a great earthquake and something happened and the earth and in the, in the sea became, became uh, it just, it just kind of happened and they were able to walk through I mean, it takes more faith to believe that than it is that God just did it. You know what I mean? Rejecting miracles, supernatural. If it doesn't fit into our paradigm, we throw it out. It's a mindset, unfortunately, that's prevalent in a lot of the church today. Not all of the church, but especially in the Western church that is steeped in intellectual processes. Steeped in... You know, I, I go to meetings and, and things, and, and um, people will say, well, where did you go to seminary? Devorah, I have to say, you know what? I never went to seminary. Well, where'd you go to Bible school? I didn't go to Bible college. I do have a college degree because, man, education was important in my family, and I wanted to be the first one to graduate with a bachelor's degree in my family, and, and so I worked hard to get that, but, you know, that's not the end all, you know, I just love the Lord. I don't have any bachelor's, I mean I don't don't have a a seminary degree. I don't. It's but you know, it's especially in the Western church where we become, our theology becomes so important to us. And if a miracle or a supernatural thing over here doesn't fit into my theology, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna throw out that supernatural thing. Let's look what the scripture says in First Corinthians chapter one. Shaul or Paul talks about this, starting in verse 20. (laughs) I went to the University of OJT, University of on-the-job training and of the nations. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 20. Where's the wise one? Where's the Torah scholar? Where's the debater of this age? Hasn't God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For seeing that in God's wisdom, the world through its wisdom did not know God, God was pleased through the foolishness of the message proclaimed to save those who believe. For Jewish people ask for signs and Greek people seek after wisdom. But we proclaim Messiah crucified, a stumbling block to Jewish people and foolishness to Gentile people. You, you can't figure it out, guys. You can't figure out why a man who came from heaven went to the cross, died, went into the grave, and was resurrected and ascended. And because of that, I gotta say, because of that, we're saved. We're healed. Hallelujah, and we have a future with him, eternal life. You see, you can't figure that out. It's supernatural. Jason, you can't figure that out, can you? No. Verse 24, but to those who are called, both Jewish and Greek people, Messiah, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So whether you're Greek or whether you're Jewish or whether you're barbarian, because Paul preached to the barbarians, it's all about him and him crucified. And when we have that revelation, and when we begin to understand and to know him, man, everything becomes new. We get That's the beginning of walking in a new mindset. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brothers, And sisters, that not many of you were wise according to human standards. Not many are powerful and not many are born well. Yet God chose the foolish things of the world so he might put to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world so he might put to shame the strong. Wow. Powerful. So I want to talk about this Hebrew mindset. Introduction into a Hebrew mindset. First of all, it's based on truth, absolute truth. Based on revelation of the character and nature of God. First and foremost, that's the starting point. It's not necessarily based on being Jewish. Like I explained, I grew up in a Jewish household, but yet my thinking wasn't necessarily Jewish. I totally bought into the Greek mindset Education was very important to me. You see, the thing about Greek thinking, and to shift for me, see, I'm one of those people that A plus B will always equal C, except when it doesn't. <laughs> you see, that's the, but I was A plus B always equals C. So, in other words, if this happens, this is what I did before, Something else happens, I just do what I did before. See the problem with that, that's relying upon Greek thinking. God might say, Well, in your mind, A plus B equals C, but I'm gonna say this: A plus B does not equal C in this situation. Who are you gonna listen to? Romans 12, 2. Read this often in this congregation. Do not be conformed to this world. Whether you're coming from a barbarian worldview or a Greek worldview, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Being transformed, what does that mean? A thorough, dramatic change. A thorough, dramatic change. It's the only way that we can discern, according to what the Scripture says, the only way that we can discern what God is saying and doing. So important for us to think the way he thinks. Based on submission, Hebrew mindset, biblical worldview is based on submission to one who is holy, loving, righteous, and has a prophetic view of, of history, We look today about in Leviticus in the, in the um, Torah portion, God's calling of the priests. And it's all about you're holy, the holiness of God. And because of the holiness of God, the priests were called to live a holy lifestyle. Different, separate, unique than the rest of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel were called to live a holy sanctified, set-apart lifestyle than the rest of the world. What do I mean by prophetic God who has a prophetic view of history? He started it. He knows where it's headed. And it's all about what the Messiah will do. And we have to be able to look at history in that mindset of God created it. He knows the beginning from the end, and he knows what Messiah will do, has done and will do. He gave us the Torah, and through the Torah, we're able, we're taught holiness through certain days, the Moadim that we've been talking about, that we're in the midst of. You see, a lot of the church doesn't understand that because they don't read these scriptures, they say, well, it's not relevant any longer. Matter of fact, it's been done away with. No, it has not been done away with. I almost said a word there that I shouldn't have said, that I and I didn't say it, but you know, no way. You see, it's through reading the Torah, it's through reading these Torah portions that we understand special days, God's calling his people away to be with him to be with him through these days. And he's calling a people, and he calls places holy, sacred places. And through the Torah, we learn how to prosper. God says, if you do this, if you follow my ways, guess what? You will prosper. I can read all the blessings in Deuteronomy 28, in so many. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. If you don't do these things, don't expect prosperity he teaches us how to prosper. And he teaches us about blessing. Let me give you some examples of mindsets in society. Let's say a thief. A thief is caught, okay? In the barbarian mindset, you chop off the thief's hand, and that's going to create fear and cut down on repeat offenses. Yeah. It's a pretty good incentive. The Greek mindset is, well, we'll try to re-educate the thief, and we're going to teach job skills so he won't have to steal. Of course, he may use his job skills to steal more effectively. You know, I worked in job training, and and this is, what's that? I'd become a politician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I was involved in, in job training, you know, and, and uh, for many years, employment and training, and, and I loved it. And this is what I would do, is I would work with people who would, you know, a lot of them were coming out of prison, and, and I would help them to get job skills, thinking, man, that's all they need to know how to do, is to get job skills. And I'd get them jobs, and and I was amazed at first, as like, they had a great job. Hey, they were getting more Paid more than I was getting paid. And and then within a few weeks, a few months, they're back in prison. Recidivism. So high. See, that's that Greek thinking. Just teach them skills and they will automatically do those things. No, it has to be changed. Our mindsets, our hearts need to be changed. Just teaching somebody skills isn't what it's all about. And the Hebrew mindset is requires the thief to make restitution for what's been stolen. It's all through the Torah. And it tries to get him to accept God's ways. This is ways of life. And that's our mission. That's our mission to proclaim the kingdom of God in all the world. Not just teach people skills, but actually to teach them about the kingdom and to see that heart of God in them. So let me bring things to a close here. Conclusion. How do we help? How do we develop a Hebrew mindset? I wish it was as easy as, okay, just pray over you, Patricia, and automatically you're going to have a Hebrew mindset. Well, this is, this is the heart of discipleship. This is where we all have to become Talmudim and disciples and learn the nature of God, the care of God, the character of God, and be more like Yeshua. How do we develop that? I'm just going to close with these three. Three ways that we can develop this mindset. And it's a journey that all of us need to be on. First of all, it may seem simple, but it's something that we're going to be spending the rest of our lives doing. Meditate on his word. Meditate on God's word. What do I mean by meditating? Hum, hum, no. Meditating in an Easter mindset to empty your mind of anything. That's not what it's about. Meditating in a biblical concept is to think about, let's say I read a scripture, let's say I read Psalm 23, say I just read a couple of verses a day, you know, in the morning, and and to think about that all day. First of all, what did that mean when God spoke that to David? What did that mean when God spoke that to the prophet? What did he, how did he receive that? And, and what does that mean to me? So you ponder on it. You think about it. You chew on it like a cow chews on his cud all day. You ponder upon it, and you be saturated in the Word. See, that's what meditation is all about. You know, I'm sure when, when Aaron is, is, is learning to memorize Scripture He's thinking about it all day. He's thinking about it, and not just so that, oh, i got to do this, i got to do this, i got to do this, but he's thinking about it because he wants it to become part of who he is. He's being saturated in that. Hmm? It, that's how the Torah is, becomes written on our heart, absolutely. That's how the Torah is written on our heart. In Psalm chapter 1, verses 2, but his delight is in the Torah of Adonai. Hallelujah. And on his Torah, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tr- a planted tree over streams of water, producing its fruit during its season. Its leaf never droops, but in all he does, he succeeds. So meditate. Just, you know, just start today. You know, it's, it's, some of us are in this thing, I have to read five chapters a day. I have to read three chapters in the Old Covenant, two chapters in the New Covenant, and a Psalm or a Proverb. Every day I have to do this. And you read it, and, you, and, and then, okay, I did my job. Check that box and walk out. But just take a portion of Scripture, whatever God's called you to do, and just chew on that and, 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 and let it be saturated. Let it saturate you. In Joshua chapter 1, Moses is gone. Joshua is getting ready to take the people of Israel, the children of Israel, into the promised land. God is speaking to him now. It was Moses, and he heard God speaking to Moses, and now God is speaking directly to Joshua. He says in verse 6, Chazak, be strong, Chazak, be strong, for you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be very strong and resolute, to observe diligently the Torah which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful in wherever you go. God says, be strong, be courageous, be resolute. That Torah that Moses taught you, you take it in. You take it into you. You let it saturate you. And don't turn from the left or to the right. And we need that today. We need that with all the voices, with all the, the, the competing uh, mindsets that are, that are coming against us in our culture today. We need to be that. His word is life. It's not legalistic principles. <laughs> Millie and I were watching a, a series on Netflix called Stiesel. Anybody seen Stiesel? Has anybody? Okay, Julie. Yeah, it's really fascinating to watch. It's about the ultra-Hardim, the ultra-Orthodox Jews living in Jerusalem. And, man, they are in a different culture. Very legalistic, very, very, has to be done a certain way. It's so funny to watch because, you know, every time they take a drink, they say, have to say a prayer be, or take a food, they have to say a prayer before. And it's like it's become such a part of them. And, you know, we need some of that. We need some of that, but not in a legalistic way, but in a way that brings life. And his word is life Amen. when we meditate on it. Secondly, so first is meditate on his word. Secondly, take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. Shoo, man, there's all kinds of thoughts coming into our our, our, our minds all day long from every source. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 For though we for though we walk in the flesh we do not wage war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are are not fleshly but powerful through God, for the tearing down of strongholds. We are tearing down false arguments in every high-minded thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, there's a lot of great-sounding theologies and philosophies out there, but they're not necessarily from God. So we're taking every thought captive into, into the obedience of Messiah, We, that's our responsibility to be transformed in our thinking. Every thought that comes in may not be from God. Stu has a lot of thoughts that add to his daily existence. The devil likes to speak into things. Other people like to speak into those things. And this is where we need to take every thought captive and we need to ask some questions. When thoughts come into us, where did that thought come from? I've shared this story before when we were in Virginia, and we were running a we were in the Youth with a Mission, and we were running a, a, a missions base. and And um, with the flood came and and took away our bridge. So the only way to get on to our um, property was to cut down trees and have people walk over fallen trees to get on our property. It's kind of dangerous. It's kind of fun, but it was kind of dangerous too. And then one day I'm driving and I saw this portable bridge on the side of the road just covered with weeds and things like that. And I thought, this thought came to me. You can come here in the middle of the night, nobody would even know, and you can just take that. I thought, hmm, that sounds like a good idea. That would really make life easy. And then I said, where did that thought come from? That's not me. I'm not a thief. I'm not a thief. So, where that thought comes from, where did it come from, what is it telling you to do? If it's telling you to do something that is not consistent with the nature and character of God, don't do it. You take that thought captive. And true, nobody would have known that I would take in that in the middle of the night, except for God and me and the people that I'd have to ask to help me to do that. <laughs> and then they would have been, you know, taking part in it with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, first of all, is to to meditate on God's word. Secondly, just to take every thought captive, and and last is to repent of mindsets. And repentance is not a it's not a heavy repentance. Is oh, that's what happens if I keep on going in that direction. Change directions. Repent of mindsets that that hinder God's purposes in our lives. That hinder. His destiny for us. That's an ongoing process of repentance. You see, God oftentimes will confound our minds to refill our hearts, to see what's in there. Would you stand with me? And I just want to close with this and just pray, and and Lynn and the worship team, why don't you come on up? I really believe that this new season that we are in. It's a season where God is, is he's shaken everything. He's calling his bride into a, a season of purification, a season of action, a season where we need to be quick to do what he is speaking for, to us to do. We need to be able to do that quickly. Some of us, maybe stalled in our growth. Some of us feel like, you know what, I've just been kind of in that same place. I don't know what's going on. And, um, and this is what I would encourage you to do over these next days and weeks is ask the Father to show you if there's any fears that you're holding on to, rooted in a, in a mindset that is not from him. Fears, the flesh is saying, you know what, you've always done it this way, just keep on doing it this way, and don't worry about anything else. And and God is saying, no, I, I'm trying to get your attention on this. Ask the Father to show you your fear, your flesh, your motives. Am I just doing this to protect myself? Am I doing this out of fear of man? And that's been a big thing for me in dealing with mindsets is, is am I doing this? Because people expect me to do this? Expectations of others? Or am I doing this because God is saying, do this. Walk in this way. And ask the Lord when you're, when you're doing this, is where did this come from? And it's, it's a time of repent. You know, when you see that, you say, Father, I don't want to do that anymore. That's my, I'm stalled when I live that way. I, I'm anxious and I'm fearful about many things and I don't want to do this. And And so repent and ask God to come into that place. Come into that place of fear. Come into that place of anxiety. Come into that place of lack. Come into that place of, of distrust. Get to the root of it. I believe that God is saying to his body right now, get to the root of those things that are keeping you from going farther in his kingdom. Oh, man, I just... I wish I, you know, I know that between now and and the fall, things are going to be a whole lot different than they are today. We've seen how quickly things can change. And I really believe that, that the Father is saying, I want you to think like me. I want you to think my ways, my thoughts. And it's going to require faith. So Let me just pray over you. So, Father, as we come before you, Lord, and I pray for each and every one of us, Lord God. All of us, there are areas in our thinking, in our lifestyles, in our mindsets that have kept us in a, a, of a season of lack of growth and, and show us what those are. And Lord, you don't beat us up. You just say, see this area right here? Just turn from that. And Lord, to Shiva, we, we repent, we turn away from those areas that we're stalled in, areas of distrust. Maybe the cause of that distrust is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness towards somebody, towards a boss in the past or a parent. And God says, I want you to deal with this. This is a season to deal with it. This is a key in developing that mindset. And that unforgiveness is leading to a bitterness, a hardness. So, Father, we repent of those things, Lord. And we come before you and we say, Lord, I want to think the way you think. I need your heart. I need your mind, Lord, in the things that are before me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, let your word come alive in us as we meditate on your word. And Lord, every day as we go about whatever we're doing, that when thoughts come in, we'll know where those thoughts come from and we will take those thoughts captive in obedience to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Shem Yeshua, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a